Well, hello again, and welcome to this week's episode of Get Up Girl. This week on the podcast, I have the wonderful honor and pleasure of sitting down with one of my best friends, Miss Brittany Tidwell. She and her husband, Matt, are two of mine and my husband's dearest friends on the face of this planet. So this was really fun for me to get to sit down with her and chat in this arena. Brittany and Matt also serve as the student pastors at our home church, North Point Community Church, right here in town. And before we get started with Brittany's story, I want to make something very clear. Brittany is about to share a very hard season that she and her husband Matt walked through while they were serving as student pastors at a different church in a different state under different senior leadership. And while they were there, unfortunately, they experienced some heartache and disappointment from some of the leadership within the church. And so, yes, Brittany does speak about that heartache, but what she focuses on is the faithfulness of God through that hard season and what he's done in her life since then. Brittany got to a place where she didn't even want to go to church anymore. And she talks about how the Lord softened her heart and healed her heart through this season. So before we get going, I just want to put it on the table that the purpose of this episode today is not to gossip or slander or disrespect authority or leadership within the church. We've actually protected the name of the church and of the people that were involved in this particular season because this is something that I personally take very seriously. And Brittany does too. And she speaks of this season with honor and respect. She even talks about how the Lord softened her heart with offense, how she had to forgive and walk in love, and how the Lord has actually redeemed that relationship with those pastors. They still speak today. They walk in love towards one another, and the Lord has completely restored that. It's it's a beautiful story of healing. And unfortunately, I, I do feel that disappointment and heartache and pain from leadership within the ministry happens all too often because we're human, right? We're just doing the best we can in this world. And sometimes we're the ones that get hurt, and sometimes we're the ones that hurt others. And Brittany is a walking picture of how, yes, she and her husband were hurt by leadership that they trusted within the church, but they did not let that derail them from the calling that God has placed on their life to be student pastors. And man, has he been faithful and has he honored them because they chose to be faithful to him. And hey, listen, if you're hearing this and this is already hitting home with you in your heart, maybe you've been discouraged or let down by leadership within the ministry, I really encourage you, please stick with us and listen to Brittany's story all the way through, because I believe that your heart will find encouragement through her testimony today. All right, so let's get into it. I'm really excited for you to hear this today. Here is my interview with my beautiful brunette bombshell of a friend, Brittany Tidwell. My name is Brittany Tidwell, and I am a wife, a mom, a boss, a friend and a sister to a lot. And this is my get up story. Well, hey girl, welcome to this week's episode of Get Up Girl, a podcast inspired by women of all cultures and backgrounds who have been toe to toe in the ring of discouragement, disappointment, defeat, and how they got back up to fight. Each episode we'll be discussing, well, all the things marriage, business, parenting, racial divides, grief, loss, and everything in between. 
We believe that you will be encouraged by these women through their stories. So come on, girl. It's time to get up. Okay, so Matt and I dated. We've been, well, we've been together now. Oh, God, we'll be married 11 years Wow. next month. But we've been together 18 years. I've been with him half my life. That's a crazy? long time. That's a long time. Yeah. 18 years. 18. That's, that's a kid going to college. Right? That's We're a not there long yet. time. But it's a long time. <laughs> I think the best part was realizing that we've been together for half my life. Mm-hmm. That's insane. I've known him half of my life. Yeah. Boggles the mind. But we dated and we lived together for eight of those years, I think. And we did. We had a long time. Mm-hmm. And so we had that lifestyle. And then we both gave our lives to God at the same time. Um, and we just night and day switched our entire lifestyle from the party lifestyle, doing drugs and drinking and dancing all night long, every night, to being in church or in somebody's house doing a small group almost every night of the week. And so it was it was a big adjustment for us to try to figure out how to do this walk with God together. And so we almost we almost didn't make that together. And we had people that told us that it's very rare that couples come into come into God and stay together mm. into marriage. Um and so but we did. And we got married and right after we got married on our honeymoon, we got pregnant. We found out two weeks later mm-hmm. that we were pregnant. And I laugh so much now about that because there were so many opportunities before we were living for God where we could have gotten pregnant mm-hmm. and never got pregnant. Mm-hmm. Had a few scares. Nothing happened. So I really thought that something may be wrong. I may not be able to. And then finding out that we got pregnant on our honeymoon was just so Hello. funny to me. I just laughed. I said, okay, God, you really do have a sense of humor. Uh-huh. And then I started the journey of pregnancy, which was very interesting and it was very hard. And I did not, I was not one of the the women who loved being pregnant. Mm-hmm. And I was sick the whole time, the whole time. And I just remembered being miserable and just probably super ungrateful yeah. at the time. And just not, I was not pleasant. So, and he was gone a lot. So I felt like I was by myself a lot. Mm-hmm. And so that was pretty much the entirety of the pregnancy. And a situation happened with his mom. And we were about three weeks out from Charlie's due date. Um, a situation happened. He was out of town. And I got a call from the emergency room that she had been brought in unconscious. And so I rushed up to the hospital, big and pregnant, and got really awful news about her. And so I had to call him, and he had to come in this whole time. They're telling me, you need to be on bed rest. All this stuff is happening, and I'm trying to handle this while he's out of town. But that... I think the stress of that is what caused the date to be pushed up for Charlie to be induced. So we ended up having Charlie. And about three, it was three days after 
Charlie had been born because we had just gotten home. It was the day after we had gotten home. He got a call and said, you need to come up here. And she passed away that day. And so Charlie was only three days old when his mom passed away. Yeah. Two completely different spectrums. Yeah. You know, life and death. I mean, it could not have been more of a story. But I remember him coming home from that moment um, and him just laying down. And I had this, we had this brand new baby. She was perfect, literally the most perfect child. And he just cried. And I remember telling him, don't, don't shut out. Like, don't shut me out. Don't retreat. Because we had never handled trauma like this. Um, I've never lost anybody super close to me. So I don't know what that's like. But he hadn't either to this extent. So I remember telling him that and him saying, okay, I won't. But um, the next week was him planning and making all the arrangements for her memorial service, dealing with family. And I couldn't go because I had an emergency C-section, so I was stuck at home. So I, we were separated for that time. And the whole time his job is saying, hey, you've had major life events, but we need you back out on the road. Mm-hmm. And so he had to go travel again. And um, during that time, our apartment, brand new apartment. Nobody has lived in these apartments. They're so nice. Still one of my favorite places we've ever lived. Floods twice. Oh, wow. With a brand new baby. <laughs> and your husband gone. And my husband's gone. And I remember just, he came home for a couple of days and I said, we're moving. <laughs> we're done. And the apartment complex let us break the lease and we moved in with my grandparents, which was just supposed to be a six month fix um, because that could help me while he's gone and be with them. And that ended up being a year and a half. Oh, wow. And that was probably one of the toughest times for us Hmm. was during that time. So, and there was a lot that I, we both were living very separate lives during that time. Um, Because he was traveling a lot. And I can only imagine now, because hindsight's always 20-20, I can imagine now being a man of a house and you don't have your own place. You have this brand new family. You've just lost your mom and it's with your wife's family that you're living, you know, and I was such a people pleaser at that time that I wanted to make sure that everybody felt comfortable. And I often overlooked him for my family because I was so grateful that they were letting us live there for free. Yeah. So it was just my priorities were were not right. And so we had a really, really hard time. And we were still really, really heavily involved in church. Yeah. And there was one Sunday that neither one of us were actually serving. And so that was rare. But we were sitting on the front row and Pastor DeWitt Jones came down from worship at SCC and basically just spoke into our lives that a major shift was about to happen and we needed to be ready and just prophesied over us. Wow. We were thinking marriage because that was our focus at the Mm -hmm. time. And so fast forward, it probably was only about three weeks after that. Matt got a phone call from Pastor Denny Duran and asked him if he could meet 
him at the country club to meet this pastor about a possible student position or student pastor position in Kentucky. And so Matt went and met with the pastor at that time. And it was a week after that that we were flown out to Kentucky. So this is March of 2011. We were flown out to Kentucky. We were there for a week um, just to kind of, they were going to interview us. We're going to interview them. And we're out there. And there were so many, so many no's for both of us. We were just, everywhere I turned, it was just no, 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 no. You know, and we both were going, oh, we're not, we're not going to do this. And. Wait, um, let me interrupt you. Did okay. Matt, at the time, because he was doing sales. Yes. So a youth pastor position was like total Oh, random seeming. I mean, was that his heart? Like, did he want to do his His heart has always been to be in full time ministry? Okay, he has always wanted to pastor. Okay, he never knew what it looked like. So we're in Kentucky and we are going through the grounds. They're showing us everything. They're different campuses and we're meeting a couple of different people. And um, we we were going to we were ready and prepared to say no. And it is the Sunday that we're leaving, and we go to their Sunday morning service. And at the end of the service, the the pastor at, that was preaching at that service asked for all of the students to come up to the front. And that was the first time that we had seen the students. And I remember just looking at all of them. They were, it was such a diverse crowd. And it was very crazy because it was a, at the, the service that we were in was predominantly white. Mm-hmm. So for it to be so diverse was very odd mm-hmm. in my mind. I, I was, it just didn't make sense. And there was this one girl that she came up to me after and um, she just asked me, she said, are you going to be our new pastor? Mm. And I just smiled and I hugged her and I told her, I was like, I don't know. We're going to see, you know, we have to pray about it. Your general answers that you give. Mm-hmm. And um, God spoke to me there. And just said, I'm calling you here to be the mother to a motherless and fatherless generation. What we didn't know is that there was a lot of those kids have been adopted. Oh, wow. We did not know that at the time. Um, and so I just got super emotional and I left very heavy. But it, I left heavy because I knew I was going to have to. I knew I was being thrusted into a very uncomfortable season. I was fixing to leave everything that I knew and that I was comfortable with, and I'm I'm about to do something that I have no idea what I'm walking into. And so we get on the plane, and me and Matt are just looking at each other, and he had, God had spoken to him the same exact thing that he had spoken to me. And we both just cried. Because mm-hmm. it really wasn't this excitement that we're going to get to be doing something new. It was kind of mourning a season that we're going to be leaving. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. So it was, um, it was really interesting. And we got offered the position a week later, and we left four weeks after that. Wow. So it was very fast. And five, it was, took five and a half weeks from the time that we were there to us moving there. Five, five and a half yeah. to turn around. That's real fast. And how very old fast. was Charlie at this Charlie point? Charlie was 18... No, she was almost two. She was almost two. Okay. Like 20 months, 20-ish months. Yeah. 
not a not a baby but a tiny child still yes and then moving uprooting and moving to do something completely different than yeah what y'all have known yeah basically yep okay so how was i mean how did matt adjust to youth pastoring when he was there he did matt is an amazing he's an amazing person because anything that he is assigned to he gives wholeheartedly 110 percent yeah i agree with that fail or succeed he's 110 percent in Mm -hmm. um and so he went in ready to do whatever he needed to do at this church that we were at the students had a building and so we we did a cleanup day where we painted we raised money so we could do what we needed to do in the building to bring the building up to make it a little bit more, I say, kid appealing mm-hmm. or student, I'm sorry, student appealing. <laughs> and so because we didn't have a budget to work with there. And so anything that we wanted to do with the students, you needed to raise money for. And so mm-hmm. we got really creative. We did car washes, bake sales. We did all the things. Yeah. And so we had, I mean, it grew. It grew pretty, I think it grew pretty quick from when we first got there, there was only 10 students. And when we would have our big events, um, we would have like 60 to 70 students. Oh, wow. Show up. Mm -hmm. So it was, it was really good. We, we felt like we were doing a good job. Um, because you weren't, there wasn't anybody sitting us down saying, Hey, this is kind of where you have a struggle try to do better in this area but Mm -hmm. there wasn't anybody sitting us down going hey you're doing good you're doing a good job oh yeah so you're kind of just doing this whole blind and hoping that you're hoping that you're doing what you're supposed to be doing and so that's that's kind of how our walk was when matt came on as student pastor it was shortly after that he was asked to be a teacher at the high school oh so he also became the bible teacher at the high school there um he wore he wore a lot of different hats. He also ran their cafe at one of the campuses. Their coffee, which he loved because we all know that he loves coffee. So that was <laughs> that was probably more of a dream than right anything. Right up his alley. Yeah. <laughs> so he was the cafe manager. He was a high school teacher. He also um, ran the homeless feeding ministry that they had called Rock. He ran what? that. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that about him. Yeah. He did that. And he was the student pastor for a time. Wow. Yeah. Well, I have so many more questions now about that. I didn't know he did that. Yeah. Okay, so what was the what was the turning point for y'all when y'all when you realized like cuz I know you've told me before I mean, there were several months where I mean, y'all didn't even Matt wasn't even getting a paycheck. Yeah. You know, so like what what when did that start? That started shortly, um, shortly after the Sunday. <laughs> the Sunday. We call it the Sunday. It was we were sitting in service at one at one of the campuses, and there had been at our staff meeting the Tuesday before. There was this couple that came in, and they were they were the senior pastor's friend's daughter and her husband. They were older, mm-hmm. like close to late, late thirties, forties than we were. And they came 
that wasn't unusual for people to come to staff and you just introduced and you know mm. whatever. So they were there, and then Sunday, they passed uh, the pastor. <laughs> asked them to stand up and brought them on stage and said, these are going to be your new, these are our new student pastors. Mm. And we, we had no idea. Y'all hadn't been told anything. Nothing. And I'm super protective of my people. Mm -hmm. And so of course I was very angry for my husband. Yeah. He handled it with such grace and honor. And he just told me, cause I mean, I, I ran out of the sanctuary wow. because everybody's looking at us. What's going on? Like what? Yeah. And I don't want to dishonor the pastor by going, I don't know. You know, I don't want to do that. And I just said, I'll be back. And I ran out and I'm upset. Mm. And he came out and he just, and our team, we had such a great team that had just come alongside of a side of us and they met us and they're all upset because they're fiercely loyal to and Matt, I remember him just saying, what we're going to do is we're going to honor. We're going to honor the pastor. We are going to make this transition for them so easy. And we're going to make this the best experience for them, mm. regardless of how we feel. And I just remember looking at him and going, okay. And I let, I just fell in love with him all over and again in that moment because I knew he was hurting yeah. But he just pushed it off because he just, and he told me later, he said, I don't understand, but I don't have to understand because it's not, this is not my church. Mm-hmm. And he said, we're just learning. We are taking away what we would never do to people. Yeah. And I said, okay. That's a good point. And so that was the Sunday and they came on. I mean, we transitioned the whole student ministry. We handed it over to them probably in about three weeks. Um. It's very difficult to transition a student ministry to new student pastors when you have students that you've poured into for years because they, if you're still on staff, I don't know how else to say that. It's just, it's the strangest thing because they still come to you. They're yeah. still one and you still feel so drawn to them and you're invested in them. And it caused a lot of turmoil with the new student pastors. I don't know if they felt threatened or if they just felt... I don't know what they felt, but there was a lot of sit downs that happened between them and with us and with the the senior pastor. I mean, we got told that we have an agenda that we're trying to take students away from them. And I have never felt rage like that. And I am like crying. And one of the women is trying to like the one that's accusing and now trying to like console me. And I remember just pulling away and I was like, I don't do not touch me. Because, and it wasn't even it wasn't even hateful. It's just I don't want whatever you're allowing in your life to even have a chance to jump onto me. Yeah. And I was just so I was so hurt and I was so angry. And I I went home that night and I said I don't want to be here anymore. And this is all during the issue with pay. This is in the height of it. We're we're not both of us are working at the church. Nobody, I still don't really know what happened, but finances were tight. So nobody was getting paychecks. Mm -hmm. And this is like probably month three where you're getting maybe one check a month, maybe at that time. And we had two kids or three kids and a mortgage because we were, we were encouraged to plant roots Mm. and we did. 
Yeah. We did. We bought a house. So we had a house. We had three babies. How old were your other two at this point? At that time, gosh, they were, Gavin was six months old. So Presley, Presley was only a year and a half old. They're only 15 months apart. Yeah. So at that, I'd I'd say at that time, I probably had close to a four-year-old, probably a four-year-old, a two-year-old and a one-year-old. That's, you could say that. Yeah. That's about what I had. So what was after the Sunday when that announcement was made and you and Matt had no clue? So, I mean, y'all literally found out sitting in the church service that y'all were being let go. Yeah. From that position. From that position. We still were on staff. Okay. We just weren't going to be doing that anymore. So what was that follow-up conversation like with the senior pastors? I mean, did they pull y'all in? There wasn't one. Wow. There wasn't a follow-up. There was no explanation? No. Wow. Did y'all, did Matt or either of you ever ask why? Yes. And it was just, this is the decision? So just move on. Yeah, basically. basically. Yeah. So what were y'all still on staff doing? I was in the marketing and graphic design department. Mm-hmm. And so, which is a totally different entity in its own. Matt was still teaching high school. He was still doing the homeless ministry. He was still managing the cafe. And at the time we were, there were other, there were other people on staff that were going out and getting jobs to kind of subsidize their pay, obviously. And we were having conversations because we kind of felt not out of pain and not out of frustration. We don't want to be here anymore. We weren't going to, it's not out of pouting. It's just going, okay, something's happening. We don't know what it is, but we need to start to pray and figure this out. And so we started to pray. We called our um, our pastor here, and we expressed everything that was going on here. And I remember him telling me, in the midst of me just being a brat, I'm just venting, you know, and he just said, okay. And he's so gracious. And he's just listening. He said, okay. He said, well, baby. He said, what do you want your end story to be? What do you want your kids to be able to say about you through this experience? Mm. And I just sat there. And I just thought, and I said, I want them to be proud. And I want them to say that I handled it with grace and with honor. And that I didn't lose faith. You know, all of the, all of the things that you hope that you leave this amazing legacy. You hope that you do. Yeah. And he said, okay, then live every day making choices for that goal, which it changed. It changed me mm-hmm. and it changed my pers- my perspective. I was able to see from right here and I could kind of see out here and I'm going, yeah. okay, so now we're not in the hour. Now we're in months. I can see months. Mm-hmm. So what are we doing here? Do we need to, are we staying here? Are we, do you feel like we're, we, are we transitioning somewhere? And we both felt stirred a stirring something's happening we just didn't know what it meant and matt got pulled into a meeting with the senior pastor and he had told him or he had asked him we we thought it was an ask to take on another title at this point our church had seven services on a sunday wow but matt wasn't home a lot so on top of you're not getting paid we're also not seeing him. Yeah. 
So put that on to what has happened, what we've walked through the first year of marriage, but now I've got three kids. And I just, I said, we can't do this. We need you home. So when he was asked, and I say that with air quotes, to take on another title, he came and talked to me and I just said, no. I mean, it wasn't even, let's pray about it. It's just an absolute yeah, no. You cannot take on another. Th- it's going to take you away from us at night. And so Matt turned down that position. We got a letter about a week later, and it basically, paraphrasing all of it, just told him that he no longer was going to be a full-time at the church. They were going to move him to a part-time position because he said no. Mm. And his options were to go find a job outside of the church or he could take a sales job. Oh, boy. With one of the media entities that were involved with the church. And it was that point that we said, we're done. Yeah. Because our whole calling was for the the students. That's the whole reason that we were called to Kentucky was for the students. If we're not going to be involved with the students, then do we want to stay here? Mm -hmm. Is Is there a place for us here? And there wasn't. And so he talked to one of his really good friends who was a senior pastor of a church here. And he just asked Matt, he just said, why, why is coming home a second choice? Why wouldn't that be your first choice? Mm-hmm. And Matt had never thought about coming home. And he came, we both came back home for about a week and everything lined up. I mean, it was just, and we just prayed that we just said, God, if this is where you want us, this has to be so easy. We literally do not want to have thought process. I mean, we had an apartment. We didn't have to pay a down. We didn't have to pay a deposit for it. He ended up knowing the girl that was managing the apartment from high school. So she gave us an amazing deal on this apartment. Wow. Charlie got enrolled in one of the best schools and they, that there was no issue there mm-hmm. at all to get her enrolled. Everything just happened so easy. Mm. And so from the time that we knew that we had had the, yes, it's time to leave, it was five and a half weeks after that that we were back here. Uh, Isn't that crazy? Which was the same amount of time. Same amount of time. Yeah, to go there. We were we arrived quick and we left quick. Mm-hmm. What was the, what was y'all's last day or a couple days there like I mean what was there as far as like from the church they uh, honored us they did they they were great they handled they handled us leaving so sweetly mm-hmm. there was no animosity at all it was very it's very odd I think for us it was kind of we we felt like we were escaping yeah which sounds so crazy to say, but it was one of those things where we were told before we, before we were there, we were told you're being sent into boot camp. And when we left, we felt like we had just like earned our badges. Yeah. And I don't, I don't mean that arrogantly. It just, it was crazy, but they sent us off. It was great. We had with the people that we did develop relationships with, um, we still have today. There's a handful yeah. of people that I still I still communicate with today from there. 
Yeah. So, yeah. But we were very happy to leave. And, I mean, to this day, you, you there's never been a why. There's never been a why. Why that announcement was made. No. Without telling y'all. Mm-mm. Just in the middle of a church service. In the middle of a church service. Okay, yeah. so y'all came back. Yeah. Here, which here, home is Shreveport, Louisiana. Yeah. Um, and so did Matt or either of y'all have a job yet when y'all came back home? Yeah, I actually, one of my really good friends was the hiring manager at Willis Knighton. Mm-hmm. And I had worked at Willis Knighton previously before I had left. And she said, I can come back and I got a pay raise. I came oh, back. Wow. So I had an, a job immediately waiting for me. And Matt, one of his really good friends, owned a real, a real estate managing company mm-hmm. and offered him a job. And his his other friend who had helped us, who had asked the question, why is coming home a second choice, offered him a part-time position at the church. So he went from being full-time at the church to full-time in a corporate world, mm-hmm. corporate job, working part-time at a church. <laughs> and I went back to working at Willis Knighton, mm-hmm. which was... It was great. It was steady. We were just so happy to be getting steady paychecks again. Yeah. I cannot tell you the relief and the mundane with that. And you have some pretty incredible testimonies from that time where y'all didn't get a paycheck. Oh, my like gosh. Like, people yeah. buying y'all groceries and, like... Yes. I remember one time me and Matt were just sitting in the kitchen, and we were just... It was one of those times you're looking at the pantry, and it's you're going, okay, I probably have a can of tomato sauce... <laughs> Some black beans and some other random thing that you have in your pantry that you never use, but you think you're going to. Right. What can I cook with this? Mm. One of those things. And we got a phone call from this precious man. And he, he was amazing. And his family were so incredible to us. He called and he said, hey, are you home? We said, yeah. And he said, open up your garage. I'm backing my truck in. And when he pulled in, he had over 300 some odd dollars worth of groceries for us. And it's not even, we would have been so happy with just any groceries. Yeah. But it was stuff that we would have gotten ourselves. Oh, like stuff y'all like. Yes. Name brand, like name brands, types of food, all of it. Diapers. Wow. Stuff for the kids. I mean, it was, it was just, it was so crazy, but it was so God. And And what, what was his, I mean, did he say, like, I just thought of y'all and here I am? Or how yeah. did he? He said, I was at the store and God told me to get y'all this. Wow. So he did. And I just I just laughed. I was like, God, thank you for seeing, just seeing us. Yeah. Well, you and you had been in a season of feeling so unseen. So unseen. And it was like a reminder. Yeah. Like, hey, I'm here. Yeah. It was, it was crazy. But we had, we had people from Shreveport that would send us money. It just... PayPal is money. We're thinking about you. Wow. So. And didn't you say your water company? Yeah. Like the guy on the, or the worker on the phone told you to like get another job. Or yeah, what did because they say? we were, we were a month behind on paying our water and they should have come and turned it off, but he didn't. And I was talking to him and I said, listen, we both work for a church. Um, and we're just going through financial hard times right now. We, we're supposed to be getting a paycheck da, 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 mm-hmm. and telling him we think we can pay it at this time. And I always ended up talking to the same person. And he told me, he said, don't you think you should just go out and get a different job? Wow. And I was going, 
Yeah, probably. Maybe so. But do I want to be here if I'm going to have to go get a different job? Do I want to be in Kentucky? Yeah. No, I don't. Hmm. It was, it was a very, very interesting time. But it was also one of the, now looking back, it's one of the sweetest times. And I can look back on instances like the groceries mm-hmm. where God is just so faithful. And if you ever have doubt and you ever have questions and you're ever just frustrated with where your life is, those are your moments where you're going, hey, not only did I know that you needed groceries, I also got you what you liked. Yeah, I got your preference. Mm-hmm. So not only did I take care of your needs, I took care of your wants, which is so like him. Mm-hmm. But it was during that season that we learned to have faith, what faith really was. And we learned to trust. And we just learned who God was for us. Yeah. And we learned in that season that we really are God's favorite. Yeah. You know? And that's why I pray. I When I pray, I'm always saying, you know, God, <laughs> it's your favorite girl. Because mm-hmm. I am. I know that without a shadow of a doubt. Yeah. It was a very, it was a very sweet time. You felt very isolated and very alone, but you really never were. And it was one of the most strengthening times for our family. Yeah. Because we really didn't have my, the closest family was an hour and a half south of us. So it was just us, Mm -hmm. just our little, our little tribe. Yeah. And you had to figure out how to do that together. Yeah. So we went from being with just all of my family, not knowing how to communicate (laughs) into a brand new state with no family and all you have is each other. Yeah. So, I mean, you're not going to leave each other then. Yeah. I mean, you're like locked arms. We're going to work through this together. And we became, we became best friends, Mm -hmm. truly, and a true partnership. Yeah. Because we went through some of the craziest times together during that time. Yeah. So y'all come back and Matt's part-time at the church. What was he doing part-time at the church? Um, he wasn't. He wasn't student pastoring right away. Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember what he was doing. Honestly, I don't remember. Was this at SCC? No, this or was at NCC. NCC, okay. Yeah. Which is North Point Community home, Church. Yeah, yeah, which is where we still attend. Our home base. Our home base, yeah. Um, you're working at the hospital. Mm-hmm. And so, and then Matt's also doing property management. Yeah. Or working for property management. So Matt currently serves as the student pastor at our church. Yeah. So how did that come full circle? He was, he was asked, is that something they needed it? It was a need. They didn't have anybody. And they asked him, would he want to do it? And he said, yes. And I'm sitting here going, are you kidding me? Are we doing this again? Really? (laughs) Because it was that, that as a whole was wrapped up with such bad memories. Yeah. Just bad juju. I just did not. Mm-hmm. I did not want to do it at all. I didn't want him doing it. Was he hesitant at all? No. He just jumped in. Jumped in. But that's Matt. Yeah. That is, he does go all in. I listen. I know. He's dedicated. Just see him at any Halloween function. I'm telling you. <laughs> Axl Rose. Uh, he's pierced Miami his Vice. ear. Yeah. He re-pierced his ear. Well, that wasn't Halloween, but it was like a costume thing. Yeah. Oh, anytime that he gets to dress up, he's going all out. Yeah. Bob Ross. Bob Ross. I forgot about Bob Ross. I mean, 
He, he doesn't is, hold anything he back. He is all in, which I love about him. Yes. So when Matt took that position or was even offered that position, what was what was that like for you? Nerve wracking. Like what it? Yeah. What were you going? Through? Oh, it just triggered. It triggered. It triggered all of the pain and all of the hurt that had come with being so committed and so invested. So I wasn't. Yeah. And I said, if you want to do it, do it. You're gonna do, it, but I'm not. I'm not doing it. I'm out. Because I had just gotten to a place where I even wanted to be at church. I loved God. I never questioned God. I could not get past church politics. Mm. And so, but I knew that was wrong. I knew in my heart that's wrong, but I had to just, I had to heal. Yeah. And so our, and our senior pastors, they're just, I'm so thankful that we get to call them friends because they really helped me walk through healing. And there's still stuff even today. I'll think that I'm fine. Something will happen. And I'm like, ooh, nope. That's mm-hmm. that's still there. So, yep. But I had just gotten to the place where I wanted to volunteer at church, joining the worship team, helping out at different things. Mm-hmm. So for him to take that again, I was like, oh, my God, here we go. Right. So, what? I mean, what was that process like for you to heal from that? A lot, a lot of prayer, a lot of talking, mm-hmm. and a lot of self-discovery, and a lot of worship. Mm-hmm. There were just certain songs I just kept on repeat. Yeah. So I had, like, my two main songs were Rick Pino's Pioneer, um, which helped me move past the hurt from Kentucky. Because mm-hmm. it's just talking about you're being a pioneer in the wilderness, basically, is what the words are. But that song helped help me so much and then Stephanie Gretzinger's you know me mm. and I would play that over and over and over again because there were times where I just didn't know what to pray because I would just be feeling so much and I don't like to feel mm-hmm. because for me for so long that was such a waste of time to feel because if I can't control it and I can't fix it then I don't need to feel it yeah which is a whole other thing but that always brought me back to center and back to the basics is that the God who created the universe knows me. Yeah. And so those, that helped me a lot of talking. I talked to, I talked a lot and I just learned about me and I didn't know about me. I'd, I'd never taken time to do personality tests, Mm -hmm. temperament tests, all I'd never done that. And so I, I went through a year of just self-discovery and when I was doing that, I was also being healed of a lot of things because I was getting understanding. Yeah. And I was understanding, okay, I processed a lot of this incorrectly. So let's go back with what I have now, the tools that I have now, and let's process it this way. And I was able mm. to let go of a lot. Um, and I'm, one of my big phrases is I don't have to understand it to let go of it. Mm-hmm. I don't need an answer because I typically live my life I have to have the answer for me to do it, Yeah. for me to shut the book. I need to know why. You know, it's like reading a book and you don't understand the middle part. Yeah. You read the beginning and you read the end, but why did that happen? Yeah. And that's what I felt like my experience was. There was a beginning and there was an end, but what happened in the middle of it? Mm-hmm. And But I don't have to know why. Yeah. I learned a lot. And that I feel like that season probably, it was for the students there. But I feel like a lot of it was for me and for yeah. Matt, just personally. Mm-hmm. 
So where did, when did you get to the point with coming back home? And so Matt's serving as the youth pastor and you said you went into it like, hey, you can totally do that, but I'm out. Like, I'm not going to be involved. So when did you start to turn that corner? We went to a conference um, with our students and we went to, it was a student conference in Gateway, Dallas, mm-hmm. Gateway Church in Dallas. And Matt didn't have enough chaperones. So I was asked to go. And I went and I said, that's fine. I'll go. And um, I think I'd probably only sat in three student services that year that he had done it. Well, I think it was six months. Six months. I've only been to three services. So I'm going. None of these students really, they know who I am, but they don't know me. And I just said, sure, I'll go. This is a student conference. And God wrecked me there. And it was the very last session, which typically it is. And God basically just, I felt like I got a spanking because <laughs> it was one of those going, I'm calling you to do something and you're not doing it. Mm. And it brought me back to Kentucky because what I realized is what he spoke to me in Kentucky wasn't just for Kentucky. It's for that generation. I'm calling you to be a mother to the fatherless and the motherless. And that doesn't necessarily mean that it's adopted kids. A lot of kids can be in homes where they, they feel like their parents are not present. Mm-hmm. And so I just, I mean, I got, I really did get spanked. And then he just said, it's time to go all in. So I went to one of my really good friends there and I just shared with her. And I'm like crying and snot bubbles and all the things. And she just told me it's time. She did, had no clue what God had just spoke to me. And she said, it's time. So let go of what's holding you back and just go all in. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay. And from that moment on, I was at almost every service. And when was that conference? That was a year ago this summer. Yep. Mm-hmm. I remember that. Yeah. And so, and how long have y'all been back? We have been back this year. We came back when Charlie's in first grade and she's in fifth grade now. Okay. I mean, it's this so, month. This month would have been, gosh, was that four years? Yeah. Is that four, four years? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it took you that long yeah, to come back to a place yeah. where it was like, okay, I'm putting my, my toes back in. Yep. With students. With, with students. students. And you have been, I mean, every week. Every week. I think the only times you've missed is if one of your kids has been sick. Yeah. So. Okay, I want to talk about worship because you're, okay. you're a worship leader. Mm-hmm. You are. You'll say you're not, but you are. Um, were you on the worship team in Kentucky? I was for a short time. So, okay, what was that experience like for you there? Um, we went through we went through three different worship leaders during the time that I was there. Okay. And the last worship leader, which he's still one of my – he is still one of my best friends. Mm-hmm. Um, there was just a lot happening. It wasn't so much of a negative experience with him as it was with the other two previously. Um, I was, at the time, getting paid – to, to be there, which means that you have certain restrictions. You don't, yeah. you don't get to say no, but I'm also pregnant. I mean, nonstop. I felt like, <laughs> and having, and having babies. And I, there was one Sunday morning where I had gotten everybody dressed, everybody there to be there at 7am because we had an 8am service. I had just gotten Moms will totally understand this. I had just gotten Gavin out of the car seat 
And now I'm getting Presley out of the car seat and she throws up everywhere. Mm. So I put all of said kids back in the car. <laughs> and I told my friend that was the pastor and I just told him, I said, hey, look, this just happened. And he, I know his heart and I know that he did not mean that the way that it came out, but it basically was just, I was very, I was inconveniencing them. It was not do what you got to do. It's okay. Not at all. I I felt like I was an inconvenience. And then I just said, okay, I'm done. I'm not going to, don't pay me. I'm done. I'm not singing. And so I didn't sing for two years. Wow. Mm -hmm. I can't imagine that. Yeah. Because you're very passionate about worship. I mean, you love, and you have such a gifting. It is one of, it is one of my favorite things. If I, if, if anybody ever asked what I would like my dream, 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 dream would ever be, it would be to write songs and to sing. I just love worship. I love worship. So it was, it was difficult, but it wasn't because I did it out of a bitter heart. And I did it kind of like a, you don't need me. I don't need you. It's super hateful. So not only was all that going on, but then during that time, you weren't singing and worshiping. Okay. Blessed with three very small children. Yes. Okay. So that's cool. Mm -hmm. So there was a lot of darkness. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. So where up just got yeah. from that? Yeah. It was very much an Eeyore season. An Eeyore season. <laughs> yeah. I mean, everything yeah. was ho-hum. And that's probably the best word is dark. It was cloudy, gloomy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then y'all come home. Matt's offered another student pastor position. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, no. Yeah. I'm not doing that. And then... <laughs> A year ago, the Lord speaks to you and says, but you are. Yes. <laughs> and so now here you are. Okay, so let's talk about worship. Okay. So what you had that experience with you on the worship team in Kentucky. And so coming here, which this is it, I, this is really interesting to me. I'm, I'm finding out so much because my husband is the worship pastor here. Yes. And so you're serving on his team. Yeah. My buddy. So what? So what was that like for you coming in? to a a new worship team terrifying yeah I don't know how Philip knew that I was on the worship team in Kentucky but he did I don't know how that happened he came up to me on a win it was when we were still doing the first Wednesdays well that we were still doing the dinners every Wednesday Mm -hmm. worship service and dinners every Wednesday and he came up to me and he asked me if I had thought about it we're still really, really fresh in. And I said, I've, I'm thinking about it. I'll let you know. And a couple of months went by, and I came up to him on, an, on a Wednesday. And I said, hey, I'd like to – I would like to come check it out. And he – I remember him just wrapping me up, and he just said, it is about time. Mm. And I came to the first practice, and he and Taylor made sure that I was so comfortable They never put me on the spot. They didn't, they just let me be and let me observe. They let me tiptoe in, Mm -hmm. which I so appreciated. And he, I mean, it's been, this has been the most fun that I've Mm -hmm. had in a long time. So, and he's just great. 
but this worship, this, this worship team has been, it has been healing for me Mm. because you can't, you can't trust. You can. Yeah. And it's just, it's, but our, our culture's different here. Yeah. And I think that's key. You have to, your worship is a product of the culture that you're in and our culture's different. Yeah. So, but yeah. That's really cool. And he, I mean, he's been, I think what has been the most fun for, I think he would agree. He may not. Philip, you may not. But <laughs> is the student being being able to help with our student worship team. Mm-hmm. Now, the worship team with them and singing with them on Sunday nights, that not having any structure is probably the most freeing that I have felt in years. Yeah. And that has been something that I've missed desperately. And mm-hmm. so that is something I'm so thankful for. And there's not a Sunday night that I walk away from that and just am flippant about it. I'm always very aware that it is a treat yeah. and it is a gift. Yeah. So, yeah, I love, I love it. I, I just love your, how, your process of healing from, I mean, which now I, now I know there was a process of healing on for worship. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that till just now sitting here. Yeah. So that's, um, that's really interesting. Yeah. To see how that process. And I mean, and like you said, there's still things that come up where you're like, oh, guess that's still there. Should probably work that out, you know? Yeah. Um, but I think it's cool to see how you've still been faithful with that, even through the like, oh, I don't know about that. I don't want to, I don't want to touch that. I don't want to go there. Yeah. You know, and the Lord's just kind of, I feel like slowly nudged you. Yeah. To just do it. And now you're, I mean, totally all in. Oh yeah. So I feel like this year has been... Truly a year of acceleration. I mean, truly. Yeah. Because I, I just, I feel like this was, I feel like this has been my year of yes. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say no to stuff. I'm just going to say yes, and we're just going to see what happens. Mm-hmm. And it's been, I mean, it's been a ride. Um, so what's been your experience with offense and anger and your healing process with that? Mm-hmm. Like towards leadership and, you know. I mean, not a church in general. Um, to keep, oh, the biggest hurdle for me is to let leadership in. Because I feel like the only time that, the only time that we were given an audience per se is when there was an agenda. And so to go into it now with leadership to have meetings or talks or whatever and to realize there's not an agenda. They're really just wanting to check on you and see if everything's okay. Um, really that's more for Matt than it is for me. I have, there, there are certain people that do check on me and they ask how I'm doing, but more so for Matt Mm -hmm. to have somebody that's really just saying, Hey, are you good? Yeah. Are you okay? Um, has been a big deal for me because like I said, I'm very protective of him and I want him to, Mm -hmm. I want him to succeed. I want him to thrive. I want him to know that he's doing okay. Um, or if he's not, help him, you know. Yeah. But for me, it's just been trust. So the offense and anger is rooted with trust. And just trusting people yeah. has been the biggest has been the biggest thing for me. Because when I was when I was in Kentucky, we came I came from such a culture of love and openness. And when we were there, it took um it took four to six months for a female outside of the two people that I talked to when we came and interviewed mm-hmm. for a female in the church to come and talk to me 
Wow. I was so not used to that. And so my circle in Kentucky was very, very, very small. Mm -hmm. Very trustworthy, but very small. Um, And so coming here, it was very difficult for me just to trust people. You're used to being guarded. You're used to being, what do you want from me? Mm -hmm. Because everybody wants something from you. And so that was probably the hardest thing was learning how to trust people. Not everybody is, not everybody has an agenda. Some people genuinely just want to know you and they're going to like you for you, not for what you might can do for them. Yeah. So. And this story is so unique and interesting to me because I, I think, and this is not to, you know, obviously what we're doing, you telling this testimony is not to slander or bash any absolutely not church or pastors or anything like that um it's we're talking about the healing that came from absolutely you know you said something earlier um that you never questioned god it was the church yes like that was your issue was the church and the church politics and you know all that and i just i don't know I, i and the reason i wanted you to do this is because i think this story happens way too much in the church and it's not talked about. Yeah. And so, and some people fall away from the church and, you know, you and Matt came, y'all, y'all never fell away from the church. Yeah. You might've been a little skittish, but you didn't fall away from it. You know, you yeah. didn't turn away from God, but that's not everyone's story, unfortunately. And it's like, man, I was really burned by the church. So I'm out. And yeah, I th- what I, this is what, this is what I know from my story and that God was so intentional about making sure that I got this in any way, shape, or form. This, this was stuck with me, and it was rooted. Is that God is not questioned? Like I don't question God. I don't have to know why God does what He does, and I just trust Him. Church are ran by men or humans. We'll say humans. We, that we make mistakes. One thing that I tell any of my students when we're talking is don't put me on this pedestal. Mm-hmm. I'm going to fail you. I'm going to disappoint you because I'm human. Yeah. And I think that we forget or we overlook or we get busy or we get mad and we just choose to keep blinders on and we put men of God on this pedestal that they should be perfect. And they're not. I have never ran a church. Mm -hmm. I do not know the stress of what that is to run a church. I don't know the stress of what it is. If you don't have the finances coming in, how do you pay your staff and their families? I don't know what that feels like. But, oh, my God, I'm sure that's horrible. Mm -hmm. What a horrible feeling as the leader of a ship. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so... Walking away now, that's one of the things that I've had to stick with is that church, church is operated and ran by humans. They're doing the best that they can. Yeah. Do they make mistakes? Absolutely. Are they going to disappoint me? Sure. Am I going to get frustrated? Of course. I've gotten frustrated being here with certain things. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm not the senior pastor of a church. Yeah. I don't, and I don't want to be the senior pastor of a church. <laughs> You know what I mean? So it's one of those things where I'm just going, okay, I trust God 
And I trust that God's put me where I'm supposed to be for a reason. And I'm going to make sure that I just stay on that path. Mm -hmm. And as long as I'm doing that, I'm safe and I'm protected. Will I go through hard times? Of course I am. Because living for God did not ever give you this easy path. Yeah. That's the truth. If that was the case, everybody would be Christians. Mm -hmm. Everybody would serve God. It's actually probably one of the hardest things to do. But you do it. Mm -hmm. Marriage is hard. But you do it. Parenting is hard. But you do it. Mm -hmm. To be a CEO of a multi-million dollar business is hard. But you do it. Everything takes effort. Everything takes work. And everything has this aspect of the unknown. And that is terrifying to a lot of people. Yeah. But you have to step in at some point and you have to go in with trusting. And that's ultimately where God comes in. If you're trusting God and you know that you know that you know that you are following the peace, because peace doesn't have to be an answer. Peace isn't even a feeling. Peace is just, it's like a lamp. Just follow it, you mm-hmm. know? And if you don't have it, then you're probably, if you don't have peace in what you're doing, then you're probably doing the wrong thing. Yeah. And so we follow peace and that, that means that we're trusting God, but it also means that we're going to go through, we're going to go through some stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think we're better equipped now because of what we went through. Absolutely. To handle it. And so it's not one of those where I just jump to conclusions. I mean, now it's just so, okay, well, I don't, I don't like it. I don't like that we're going through this, but we're going to go through it and we're going to come out of it and. It'll just be another badge that we get to wear, that we made it through this. Mm. And so, yeah, I hate that we went through that season. But what I do know is that that senior pastor, he did his best. He really did. He did his best to take care of us. He did his best to do what he thought was best. So it's one of those where I'm just going, I don't have to know, but I had to go. Yeah. So we did. I mean, and I love that you speak even about the pastor and the the staff there with honor, you know, which, you know, goes back to what your husband said when the moment it happened, like we're going to honor, we're going to do this well. And we're going to, you know, um, that even through all of that, where you, you're validated and justified to be super angry. Yeah. (laughs) And go on Facebook rants and no, you shouldn't do that. But never, you know, like, but you're you're validated in that anger. Yeah. I mean, the world would say, let me clarify, the world would say that you're validated in that anger and that offense. Yeah. Um, And you still speak with honor towards them. I don't want to be there. Yeah. But I'm going to honor. And I love that. At the end of the day, it's what is your calling? What has God called you to do? Because everybody's calling, everybody has a different calling, but really we all have the same calling and that's just ministering to people and Mm -hmm. telling people. How can you do that effectively if you're angry at God's people? Yeah. You can't. My calling didn't change because of my circumstances. My calling stayed the same. Mm -hmm. So how do I work, how do I work myself through myself? Yeah. To still do what I was created to do. I was created to worship and I was created to help people experience God, you know? Yeah. And so I've got to get past that. 
because the Bible says that the greatest way to show people God is through love. Well, then I have to love people, which means that I have to get over being angry with people. Yeah. And it's not doing anything. It's just being angry. Being angry is not going to get me my paycheck. Yeah. Being angry is not going to get me answers. So being angry is just going to make me miserable. And my kids are going to see it. And then my kids are going to hate the church. And my kids are, I mean, it's just, it's going to leave a nasty legacy. Yeah. So it's better just to let it go. You don't know. Just go. So what's something, what's something that you would tell someone? And I know there's so many people, even that we know, you know, but I know there's so many people that have walked through some serious hurt from the church, from ministry. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's like you said, putting people on a pedestal, it's like stuff like this, you, you almost expect from the world. Mm -hmm. And I think, like you said, our, our fault, we look at pastors and leaders in the faith and, um, you know, founders of nonprofits and ministries and authors of books and we, and we hold them and then the fall is almost greater because of we've, we've put them there. But, um, and so hurts like this that are from inside God's family, you know, the sting is really great. So what's some advice that you would tell someone that maybe is walking through this hurt from leadership in the ministry or has walked through it, maybe hasn't healed from it yet? What's some advice you would tell her? I would say that you need to feel what you're feeling and allow yourself to feel that. So allow yourself to grieve because you you are suffering loss. You are suffering. Allow yourself to go there. Give yourself an amount of time to feel there. And then understand that you're dealing with people. People hurt you. People are going to hurt you. It doesn't matter what position, what religion. Learn from it. So take it as a lesson and learn from it and understand you don't want to ever make somebody feel the way that you feel because one day God may give you the platform or a position or a realm of influence. So you better make sure that you treat his favorites well. Yeah. Because I think if you walk through something like this, it's because you're going to be involved with people. And also just realizing that the whole the whole point of going through something like that from the enemy standpoint is to take you from community. That's the whole point. It probably a lot of the times doesn't take you away from God. You still can have a relationship with God and not be in church. It's harder, but you still can, but it takes you out of community. So it takes you out of the day-to-day accountability. And if you don't have that, then you're isolated. The whole point is to keep you isolated because when you're isolated, everything in your mind is way bigger. Yeah. But if you're in community, you get perspectives. And so there's just, there's an agenda on both sides and you just have to, you have to stay the course. And then it's one of those things, know what season you're in. If you're not in a season of leadership and you're in a season of being led, buckle up. Like you're going to be disappointed. And that's okay. It's okay. Because one day you probably will be in leadership. Make sure that you take care of his favorites. Mm. And just, but feel what you're feeling. Grieve. Yeah. 
and then move on. You'll be stronger. What did you say earlier? You don't have to know. You just go. have to go. Yeah. I like that. You don't have to know. You just go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's good advice. Yeah. And if you have to go fast, go fast. <laughs> God leave, didn't say you had to take your time. Leave a dust trail if that's what we need to do. <laughs> Look, I was like, I don't want to do 40 years here. 40 days was long enough. So, yeah. Oh, I'm packing this up. <laughs> I will say that there are still times where I will text the senior pastor and just tell him, hey, I'm thinking about you or on his birthday, you know, happy birthday. Just want to let you know that we love you. And he all and he always responds. Mm. So and it's just one of those things I'm just going to doing that helps me. It's healing. Yeah. 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 Because I have to be intentional to send that. I have to think about him and I have to be intentional to, to do that. Mm-hmm. So and here's the thing. And this is I forgot about. I totally forgot about this is Pastor Denny is very much a father figure in how he pastors. He's very intentional. And I put that same expectation on that pastor. Yeah. Which was so unfair of me to do that because that's not how he ministers. I, at the time, did not realize that, which I know now is a lot of probably what rooted my frustration with him because how, why would you do this to people that you love and that, you know, you're treating as your children. But it's, he never, he never placed that claim on us. That was a big pill to swallow. Yeah. (laughs) I love it. I'm just so passionate about this topic because I just, I feel like it's so skimmed over. I don't know if it's taboo because it's like, oh, well, you know, these pastors or whatever really did us wrong. And, and it's like taboo to talk about within the church community. And, and when I say talk about, I don't mean gossip. That's yeah. not what I'm saying. Oh, no, no, no. Talk about, like you said, get your people, get in counseling and like and heal. Yeah. And it's like, we'll talk about our addiction or we'll talk about our past or we'll talk about, you know, our husband yeah. or our wife. But it's like, oh, I was totally burned by the church 20 years ago and I've yeah. never told anybody. Like, and it's like, well, no wonder we have this skewed view of Christians Well, it's also people don't talk enough about God never, God never wanted religion. He only ever wanted relationship. And if you could get to the basic part of that, I think that would bring a lot of clarity to situations like this. If you were right in the beginning and your relationship was firm and secure and what it needed to be, the religion part and the hurt part may not shake you so much. You're still going to get frustrated because we all want control. We all have this aspect of wanting to need and needing control. All of us. Yeah. When you don't have it, you're going to have natural frustrations. Mm-hmm. So you're going to do that. But I think if we could just get back to the basics of God wants relationship. He does not give two rips about religion. And I, I feel like that was the biggest thing that I walked away with is I learned how to have a relationship with God. I learned how to go to God, tell God how angry I am and how frustrated I am because he does care. I didn't go to God with a list of you need to do this, this, and this. It's just why? Why did you send us here? Why do I have to feel this way? Why do I have to watch my husband feel this way? 
you know? Yeah. Didn't we do everything right? Those those questions. Didn't I follow you? I don't understand. I really connected in that season so much to a lot of David's story. I mean, God calls him a man after his own heart. <laughs> and he was an adulterer and a murderer. Yeah. And all these other, I mean, God, I haven't done that. You know what I mean? So yeah. if David can make it during some of the toughest seasons that are way tougher than what I'm facing, mm-hmm. I'm going to make it out of this. It sucks. But I'm going to make it. Yeah. It's also good to know you haven't murdered anybody. That makes me feel better. Yeah. But I know people that can. <laughs> Beware. <laughs> You always need to have those people in your pocket. You do need to have those people in your pocket. That's right. Yeah. You never know. Yeah. We listen to a lot of uh, crime podcasts, so <laughs> we're very knowledgeable. You always you always need to have that ace in the hole. Yep. I um I need to tell anyone who'd be listening to this this story. Was it well today's Monday, so it had to have been last week. When I, okay, so for those of you who don't know, Brittany and I not only are we best friends but we also work together we're co-workers currently and her office is right across the hall from me and i called your direct line (laughs) in the middle of the day and i was like hey have you uh found any good crime podcasts lately because we're out (laughs) we've listened to all of them it's like the only genres of podcasts we listen to are jesus and crime yeah i feel like well now yours so now oh thanks long conversation (laughs) yeah um okay so I got some fun questions for you. Okay. Just some day-to-day questions. Hopefully some fun answers. Good. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I gave you a real long time to prepare for this. I know. I know. I know. Um, Just kidding. I didn't. It was very last minute. It's okay. I work great under pressure. Um, All right. First question. What are three things in the life of Brittany Tidwell that you do every day? Okay. Animal lovers, don't be upset. (laughs) This is a disclaimer. 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 If you love animals, maybe maybe hit the 30-second forward button. Yeah, do that. Okay, so one thing that I do every day is that I allow my dogs to still exist. Yeah. In my home. Good Lord. Yep. Yep. (laughs) Because because your dogs are... uh, I mean, could you talk about extremes? They're a little high maintenance. I I have a puggle. Who I was told would not shed, and he sheds mm-hmm. like the Dickens. He sheds, and then I have a golden doodle, who's a horse, right? Doesn't shed. Also acts like a child. He never matured, so he's a baby. He's a Benjamin Button <laughs> that paused. <laughs> I'm just like, what happened? I mean, but it's so bad. But your puggle Ugh. is, whose name is George, by the way. Oh, tell us how he got that name, because <laughs> that's a fun story. Okay. <laughs> My husband's first name is George, which I will say, I did not know that his first name was George for an entire year of us dating. Wow. Okay? okay. Right. I was told that we needed to name, I was encouraged that we needed to name our firstborn son, George, because it's a family name. And I I bucked it because I feel like names are so important and you shouldn't hide your name. So we were getting a dog and my husband jokingly said we should name him George. And I said, that's a great idea. I love that. And it's stuck. 
So we have George the Puggle. <laughs> I just love how George got his name. Because <laughs> you didn't want to name your son George. I didn't want to name my son George, so I named my the thorn in my side George. <laughs> George really is. This dog is, oh. he's so ugly, he's cute, but. He is not cute. There's nothing cute about him. But he's like notoriously hated by all of your friends. Yes. <laughs> Nobody likes George but my kids and Matt. And Matt. Yeah. Actually, not even all my kids. It's really just Charlie and Matt. Yeah. That's it. Poor George. He's just annoying. Ugh. Okay, what's another thing you do every day? I work out every day. You do? Yeah, you've been killing it. That was like a another yes this year. <laughs> that was another yes. Yeah. Okay, your workout journey started in January? January. I was 100. What was that? 199.7 pounds. We'll just round that up. It's 200 pounds. We'll do that. God, 200 that pounds so in January. And I was playing soccer with Charlie, and I <laughs> I went to kick. Oh, God. <laughs> I don't know what you're about to say. <laughs> oh, I went to kick, and I almost – I had not even been running, okay? I just went to kick, and I, like, pulled my thigh muscle. <laughs> 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 run and I just sat there and she just looked at me like mom what's wrong with you get, <laughs> get a hold just, of yourself I got so embarrassed I was like I cannot do this anymore so I said I'm done I'm I'm just done I'm gonna be able to play soccer with my child and I'm gonna be able to beat her because that's really the goal because <laughs> really that's what it's about we're so competitive but I'm like no so I'm you win. so and if you haven't listened yet go back and listen to Maureen's interview she's yeah. the first one um, she opened a CrossFit gym. Yes. And, and that's the gym you attend. That's where I go. And I went there for like eight, well, six weeks. Yeah, I was six I, weeks. Yeah. I was about six weeks. Yeah. Um, I still go to the gym. Just you do. Not that one. You do. <laughs> it's a long, it's a long way for it's you. It's a long way. That's a good 40 minute haul. Yeah, it truly is. Yes. Um, but it is a really awesome gym environment I, I loved the environment there and how tight knit yeah. everything is but so you started back in January and how much weight have you lost I've I'm down to 154 it's incredible mm-hmm god that's incredible so 46 pounds yeah yep unreal and so happy yeah and you look great I have no goals for that I just want to be I love it I just want to I don't care about a number I want my clothes to fit and I want to feel sexy and I do so you look sexy actually my clothes don't fit anymore. They actually don't. <laughs> Did you They're see all the jeans I was wearing today? That's why I had to wear a shirt at home because there's no butt. <laughs> it just sags. All your clothes are actually falling off. I know. Which I guess is it's a good thing. A great problem. Yeah, it's a great. I mean, it's a your great seamstress thing. is real happy getting a lot oh. of business from you. Yes, she is. Yes, she keeps telling me I should just buy new clothes, but it's still cheaper just get them altered. Yeah. So and you're doing your first competition Saturday. This coming Saturday. Yeah. Oh, I know. That's I'm really nervous. It gets my like stomach. Oh, churning. You'll be fine. Oh, it's gonna be fun. It's memories. It's just fun. I don't care about winning. I'm competitive, but I'm also smart. Like, (laughs) I'm going just to have the experience. Yeah. So it's gonna be fun. So I do that. I do that every day. Yeah, that you do. That you do. What's the third thing you do every day? Third thing I do. Okay, so I have two because really the dog thing was kind of funny. Okay. Because I figured you and I would. And I feel like a lot of people we who know just, me are going to, like, love that. It's we really also funny. probably just made a lot of people really upset. That's okay. That's okay. They can come talk to me about it. Okay. Maybe they can 
what convert me? Mm, I doubt it. Mm-hmm. Um, I read every day. Mm. Something. Okay. So um, I love audiobooks and I love reading. What what genre of books do you like? Oh, see, I like a lot. Okay. I like self help. I like fiction. Mm. I love fiction. And I love I love some of the young adult books too. I think those are fun. Um, um, and the last thing I do is I hug and kiss my family. Oh. Every day. Well, I'm getting better with Matt. I because there's times you just it's you just get busy. Yeah. And then you also get angry at times. <laughs> that too. Well, and cuz we were talking about this before Clarissa's podcast. Clarissa's podcast challenged me to I my core. I'm telling you. So Clarissa, if you're listening, thank you. Yes. If you have no idea what we're talking about, go back go, and listen yes, to Clarissa. Um she was number 2. But one thing she said that she does every day is she and her husband kiss every day. No matter what. No matter what. Now, yeah, Philip and I aren't there yet. There's still uh, matters what. But, yes. yeah, it challenged it challenged me too. Yeah. And I think I was telling you this the other day. Now that that's on the forefront of my mind to kiss every day, yeah. I realize how much we don't yes. kiss. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So I do – I'm trying to I'm, – I'm trying to make that um, – what is that? More of a routine yeah. and not just the, Hey, love you. We say right. it, you know, but yeah, you just get busy. And for some reason we think it's okay just to let our husbands fall to the wayside mm-hmm. with our busyness, but not my kids. Anyway, I hug and kiss my family every day. So I do that. I love that. Mm-hmm. You have a good family too. I love my family. The best looking family. Jeez. Ugh, my little tribe. I love them. They're yeah. so much fun. They are. They really are. Mm-hmm. I, oh my gosh! So a couple weeks ago, when Gavin came in, his stomach hurt. Okay, but see what. So people, what you don't know is that my son is very selective. Yeah. About who he shows his affection to. And who he speaks to. Uh huh. Yes. And, and I'm in. Is in. I wasn't in for a while. But I'm Leanne in now. Is in. I'm in now. But he came in my office Here's and people. gave me a hug. You know, hey bud, how's your day? And he said his stomach hurt. And I just, like, put my hand on his stomach, you know, and just, in Jesus' name, we pray that, you know, Gavin's stomach feels better. And he immediately was like, oh, yes, and closed his eyes and, like, put out a hand, like, to receive it. (laughs) Oh, so cute. so cute, my little nugget. Can't handle him. Mm. And Presley's your wild child. Yes, she is everybody's spirit animal, apparently. She, yeah, this is true. And Charlie is your... Mini-me. yeah. She's the, the leader. She's, she's the rule follower. She's the. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. She is me. And she is, she is at such a fun stage right now. She's 10. And she, how, was it you and I talking about this? Was it you and I? Um, <laughs> <laughs> was that you? Was that you? <laughs> um, I can't remember. I was talking to somebody. She's at this stage where she's understanding adult jokes oh, and adult sarcasm. Yes. And so when you, when you see her get it. And she genuinely gut laughs. That is my favorite thing to watch with her and yeah. just her understanding. But she's and she's growing up and she's just she's she stunning. Is. She so is. So just to watch her. I and that girl can it. sing. Yes, she can. Oh my gosh. Yes. Like not just like cute little kids sing, no. like oh she can carry a tune. She has she has she soul. loves worship. She does. Oh. It's I don't get to see her enough, it, but it's one of it is one of my greatest accomplishments. I feel like is mm-hmm. is watching her do that. Mm. You know, yeah. not I mean, totally pat your back as a parent moment. You're like, <laughs> yes, 
thank We've God. Done well. You're it. You'll yeah. get me into heaven. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Your dogs won't. No. But you're my will. ticket, child. You're but my ticket. <laughs> yes. I agree with Presley, that. Presley, we're... <laughs> yeah. She'll get there. She'll come around. <laughs> She'll get there. <laughs> oh, Presley. <sighs> Sweet girl. I um, love it. What was... Uh... Oh, the next question. Who oh. influences me? Who influences you, yeah. My community and my friends. Mm-hmm. So, because I, I, when I'm going through something or I have questions, there are my, my chosen few yeah. that I go to and I ask and I bounce, I bounce ideas off of, I bounce thoughts off of, I bounce frustrations off of, um, and they influence. So, which mm-hmm. means I'm very careful with who they are. But if you're, who, who influences me the most is my community and my friends. Mm. So, yeah. I love it. Um, all right, so you love to read. Mm-hmm. So what what are some books that have really impacted you? So the three that have impacted me the most this year were Rachel Hollis's Girl, Stop Apologizing. Oh, I haven't read that one. I uh, read Girl, Wash Your Face. You haven't read Girl, Stop Apologizing? It's new. Yeah, I haven't read that one. That's a good one. Girl, Wash Your Face was good, too. Mm. That was a good one. But Girl, Stop Apologizing was really good. Um, the Year of Yes by Shonda Rhimes, who is the creator of Grey's Anatomy. Yes. But her story was amazing. Um, and Approval Addiction by Joyce Meyer. I have not read any of those. Are you kidding? So, okay. I gotta write that down. They're good. They're good ones. They're really good ones. You read all those this year? Yeah. In 2019? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what was the last one? Uh, what are two facts that would surprise people to know about me? Oh, yes. Two things that would surprise people about you. I would love to be a storm chaser. What? How much fun would that be? No, that would be so fun. Oh, my gosh. I would love for a season because it's only a season that it's here. But I would love to go chase tornadoes. I don't know if I'd actually like want to be in the tornado. I would if it wasn't like a massive one. Is that a thing? Yeah, they make... Well, there's Reed, is it Reed Timmer? He's a professional meteorologist, but he has built these cars and he can withstand, I think it's an F3. And he just like stakes it down there. It's so interesting. But I would love to be a storm chaser. That's one thing. So one of my, a guy I used to work with, Mm -hmm. his name's John, who is, John. John's one of those people, like he just loves life. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Like, he's one of those people, like, he just does not care. Yeah. He just lives life and loves every part of it. Yeah. Anyway, he's from West Texas, and he used to chase tornadoes. Shut up. I need to meet up with John. Yeah, he talks about it all the time. Ugh. Yeah. Me and but, John. Which doesn't surprise me about John, because I'm like, nope, that's uh, that's on brand for huh. him. He's, well, anyway. Oh, I love that. So when you, he's the only person I've ever met that used to do that. Like, I get hyped when they say there's going to be a storm. I'm so excited. Yeah. I probably would stay in a hurricane just to see just it. Just to see it. Just to see it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What's another fact? Um, another one is that I wanted to I wanted to go do Broadway. I oh. did vocal training for 13 years to with the goal of going to New York and being on Broadway. Oh. Uh, have you have you seen a Broadway? Have you been to a Broadway? Never in person. No, yeah, not, not Broadway. Either. I've seen theater. I love theater. But I've never gone to Broadway and actually done... Or actually seen a Broadway show. No. Do I smell a girl's trip? 
Oh, let's do it. New York, New York. Mm. I've never been to a Broadway either. I want to go to New York. I've never been to New York. Mm. But I just feel like that would be, I feel like that if I went, I just feel like it's home. Yeah. It's one of the few places I'm going that would be when I go there, I feel like I'm going to feel at home. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I could, I, I could see that. I love you. theater. Mm-hmm. But I, yeah, I want to do Broadway. But what would you see if you could pick one? Oh my gosh. Oh, that's so uh, uh, wicked because that was, mm-hmm. I don't know, Rent. No, Wicked. Wicked has the some of the best music. And I just fell it. in love with, oh, their music's so good. I've heard amazing things about it, but but yeah. I've, now, I've seen it on like YouTube and I've seen yeah. videos of it, but Wicked would be the one that I would just want to see in person. Wicked. Just the costumes and the cast and mm-hmm. I think, oh, and Hamilton. Hamilton would be great because mm-hmm. it's just so new and how they did it. And I loved the mind of how they did it. Yeah. So yeah, that's it. Two interesting things. Ah, those are so interesting. You could go chase a tornado and then to decompress, go to a Broadway. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, I love that. Yeah. That's it. Okay. That's me in a nutshell. That's me. Well, thank you so much for coming on today and thank you for having me. Being brave. And I know that's a hard story to share about a really hard season that you and your husband walked through with the ministry. So yeah. I appreciate you just being honest and, and, Showing us that there is healing in that. Thank you for being a safe place. Aw. I love you. You stop. You stop. Stop. Oh, my God. Right. I love you the most. Okay, we're done. Out. Oh, my God. What question did you have for me next? It's not over this podcast. As you can tell, Brittany and I clearly have way too much fun when we get together. And her story reminds me of something my pastor's wife always says. She says, get in a community so you can get good and offended and then get over it. Because as believers, we cannot stay offended. And Brittany is proof that you can be hurt and angry and then get over it. So powerful. I love it. I absolutely love her heart, and I hope you gleaned some wisdom nuggets from her today. And hey, as always, before you leave, be sure to check out our show notes on how to connect with Brittany on social media. We're also going to list the books that she referenced that have impacted her life and a couple other things that she talked about in the podcast today. All right, y'all. Thanks so much for stopping by. I appreciate you tuning in, and we'll see you next time on Get Up, Girl.